welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's very nice to be here, Lena. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you about the areas of work that you're in. So tell me a little bit more, just give us a context from our audience about your journey and how you became passionate about leadership and diversity, equity and inclusion, particularly, you know, in this day and age where it's such an important topic and it's so complex. Tell us how did you get here? It starts actually really early in my career, not just in the last couple of years. So even before my first job, I was involved in the, at that time, we just called it diversity work. As, as a student in high school and college, I was part of the groups out on both of those um, campuses that worked on these issues within the schools and within the communities. So from, from a very early age, this was how I was thinking about the world. And I think it just had to do with my, my upbringing, the values that my parents and my grandparents instilled in me and the, the people that I was surrounded by in my, in my schooling that I became interested in in those areas. For, for leadership, so my first job out of college was as a teacher in a rural part of Vietnam. So I went all the way around the world from the US and I took a teaching job in a different culture, a different language and had to really you know, figure out what it was to be an American in this really different context. And for me that um, one, that cultural experience just reinforced a lot of the things that I had learned as as a young adult in terms of what was important to me um, when it comes to inclusion and diversity mm. and equity and how we think about difference. Um, and then it also, you know, that was the first job where I started to see what leadership looked like. And I feel like I, I hear this story from many of my coaching clients. We learn more about leadership from the leader's that we see what not to do than, mm. than what to do. And so through throughout my career experiences, I feel like I have been learning from the people I have seen in terms of, okay, what's contributing to making people feel seen? What is contributing to making people feel valued or not from a leadership perspective? And so that's sort of the, the angle that I became interested in when it comes to leadership is is how do we lead in a way that gets results but also helps people to feel like they own those results and they are part of it and they're seen and valued in the process hmm. and and to that point as the co-founder and ceo of lead with equity this is something that you 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 inspired to start um you know this organization because of what you just mentioned so what is yeah. the mission there and how do you actually help leaders create that space for marginalized voices? Yeah, so the, the mission, you, you almost said it on the dot, is to help leaders mm -hmm. to create space for, for the voices of marginalized people to drive change in organizations. And the, so we founded the organization at the end of 2020. I was coming out of a very stressful and intense head of people job during the first couple of months of COVID. And I just, I needed a break. I needed to leave my job and figure out what was next. And it was actually speaking with my, my business partner, who he said, you know, this thing that you talk about all the time, that's really important to you that you are always doing as part of your job, but not your full-time job. Why don't we just make that the full-time job and, and let's start this company. So that's, that's what we did. And the, the reason it took us a while to figure out what do we want the mission to be, because I think, you know, there are many companies, especially the last couple of years since the pandemic, since George Floyd's murder, there have been more and more um, 
activity around these ideas of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, but for us, it was really about centering the voices of the people who have been impacted by inequity and exclusion. And that that has always been the way that that I see this work is how to allow the folks who have been who have not been at the table to now not only be at the table, but to really drive decisions and policies moving forward. That's how we're going to get towards a more equitable workplace or society, whatever sphere you work in. So that's where the mission came from. And then how do we actually do that with leaders? It's a multi-pronged approach. So you'll, you'll see that we do a couple of different things with the organization. We do a lot of group training. So we have training around topics related to leadership and diversity and inclusion and communication and you know, leadership. When we talk about effective leadership, it means inclusive leadership. So everything that we do, if we're teaching folks how to give effective feedback, we bring in that lens of how are you thinking about difference and power and privilege as you're doing that skill. So everything has that, that inclusion piece. Um, so we do that. We work with organizations, specifically, it's usually HR or operations folks, helping them to look at their systems from an equity perspective. And so we have a training around that, but we also do that in a, a consulting basis. So that looks like, you know, what are the outcomes for, let's just give an example, promotion process. What are the outcomes? Who's getting promoted? Who's not? Okay. Why is that? And let's look backwards to how that system works if you want to change the outcomes for who's getting promoted and who's not. Mm -hmm. So we do consulting around that. And then also one-on-one -on -one coaching, which has sometimes overlaps with the inclusion piece, but more often it's just general coaching for leaders. Mm -hmm. And so with this kind of extensive wor work that you've done with companies, what are some common challenges or maybe themes that arise as you kind of you know, host these things or you have these conversations are there any challenges with actually implementing some of these principles and how do you address yeah. them if there are? Well, I'm sure there are some, yeah. <laughs> there are always challenges. Uh, so let me think of some recent examples. There is a tendency with some of the clients I've worked with, especially among folks in a, in a leadership role to be almost defensive in the way that they are seeing these issues. It's like, if the way that our promotion process works, let's just keep the same example, is not equitable, then it's almost like the, the folks who are in charge feel like they are to blame. And when you feel like you are to blame, you are not going, many people are, are not going to embrace the change in a way that is open and honest because it's like I have something to defend and lose and what if people think that I did something wrong all of us are just worried that everybody's going to find out that we don't actually know what we're doing and we're just making it up as we go along right especially folks in leadership positions so I, I find that that can be a real challenge is helping folks in a more executive and leadership role to see that they are responsible for the solution without making them feel like uh, they created the problem, even if they did. 
Mm. Yeah, and I can see how that might happen because this the topic itself is uncomfortable for many, and mainly because it's so complex. And now, like you know, with everything that's happening right now, even you know, just in recent uh, months with organizations and kind of and just you know, uh, uh, inclusivity and diversity, I think it's just so complex, and people just don't, and they're just almost afraid to even ask a question or ask or offend somebody or ask a stupid question. Right. So and I can imagine somebody in a leadership position. It's like, well, it's like everybody expects you to know. Right. And 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 I don't know if everybody, anybody really knows the everything about this topic because it's continuously evolving. And and there's just right. So it's um, I can imagine how that that's definitely challenging. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely always evolving. The language is evolving. The different different groups who have been historically underrepresented or marginalized are getting more and more voice and ability to say here's how we want to be treated here's how we want to be named here's how we so all of those things are constantly changing the the field which part for me that's why it's so interesting because it's always evolving as culture evolves but it it can be a challenge and i i see you know it's interesting because you wouldn't see an organization, let's say they're thinking about financial management, mm-hmm. you wouldn't see them saying, okay, we're going to do financial management this year, and then we're going to be done with financial management forever. It's a continuous process. There are always updates to the industry. There are always best practices coming out that are new. So why don't we see these human and people functions in the same way? Of course, they're always evolving. Of course, it has to be continuous. Of course, you can't just do it once and have it be done. But I think yeah. we don't make that comparison very often. Yeah. And it's usually the first budgets to be cut as well, right? Like investment yeah. in these things. It's the first thing, which is that, you know, but it's like business, you know, humans drive business. So business growth is tied into people and development and that sense of belonging to make sure people stay and grow and all of those things. So it's it's always interesting to me being an L&D space and learning and development that it's always anything to do with humans and not the numbers gets gets kind of cut so it's um uh it, it's one of those things that we we know we should be investing in it yet we're continuously not doing a great job in it so that's what i sense at least um with in, in in at least the kind of the organizations that i interact with um so to that point um, what do you feel a leader, you know, what are some things they really have to possess as a leader in order for them to make this a success, right? Like, for example, in terms of like empathy, what role does empathy play in all of this from a leadership perspective? Empathy is really important. And there are tools that leaders need to utilize in order to be more empathetic. They need to be able to listen but really listen. Mm-hmm. A lot of leaders, we, we learn in school to pretend like we are paying attention. And a lot of times we are multitasking in our brains or we are thinking about something else. So really listening helps with empathy, doing your own research into what the experiences of people who aren't like you might be. Those things can all help. So yeah, empathy is hugely important. The so we actually have, I could wait to tell you this at the end, but I'll tell you now. We developed at Lead with Equity a leader assessment that looks at, I believe it's eight different areas of inclusive leadership behavior. It's specifically focused on leadership behaviors because 
we found that most of what is out there in the market is not focused on the behavioral elements. It's more focused on what do you think about inclusion, which is important, but behavior is, is going to drive action and change. So empathy is one of the areas that we look at. Belonging and how you create belonging is one of the areas that we look at. How you manage conflict and cultural difference is one of the areas we look at. Um, there are others. Um, resilience mm -hmm. is one of the areas that we look at. So that's that not being defensive piece, right? Being able to embrace new things and change and different voices in a really authentic way. Mm -hmm. um, being able to look at things from an equity perspective. So being able to look at an outcome and say, where is there equi equity or not? And how can we change that? Hmm. There's, I, I can't name them all. I, sh I would yeah. have to pull it up to name all eight of them hmm. because my, my brain is not, <laughs> not okay. good at remembering that many things, but I'll, I'll share the link with you at the end and yeah. you can put it in the show notes or whatever. Sounds good. Um, so to that point, so one aspect of it is getting the leaders to kind of recognize their gaps. But then there's the other side of things, and depending on how large the organization is and where this responsibility sits, but I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like no matter where this mission sits in terms of just creating that inclusive, diverse, you know, equitable workspace, if the what I often see is the senior leadership, right, um, the, the executives, they don't always see it as their responsibility. They're always like, well, that's an HR thing. Right. Or like that's that department. Like, why do I have to practice this? So, you know, a two part question, I guess. One, what is the connection there? And two, how can a leader, wonderful, they 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 got this, you know, they got these skill set, but how do they, they then cultivate it downward so that it actually, you know, it's in every every department, every employee in the company? So the first question, first question was how to make the leaders recognize that it's yeah, necessary. Yeah, that it's connected. It's, it's like their, that it's connected. Yeah. Their, their participation is essential here, regardless of who's leading on it. Yeah, again, it's if we think about it as a business essential, like any other business essential, if you're a senior executive, if you're a senior leader within the organization, you're responsible for certain goals and certain outcomes. And they might be financial, they might be related to people, they might be related to product. This is an area that you are also responsible for. And often what I, I tell clients is that it's gonna be more effective actually if your executive leadership team or whoever your most senior leaders are, if they are the ones responsible for the goals and the outcomes and the ongoing work with respect to inclusion and equity rather than tasking only HR with that responsibility. Because then what ends up happening is HR is over here in their silo or their bubble. They're trying to influence across the organization and for people who can't see my hand, I'm moving my hands like across horizontal across the organization, but they don't have necessarily the authority to do that. And so what ends up happening is HR creates all of these programs, but they don't go anywhere or HR creates all these initiatives, but hmm. the way that the leaders do things has not changed. And so the culture doesn't change. Leadership creates the tone of the culture. So, so to me, the responsibility for this actually needs to sit at that executive level and it needs to trickle down through all of the different business functions. How do we do supply chain 
in an inclusive and equitable way? How do we do marketing in an inclusive mm. and equitable way? How do we do finance in an inclusive and equitable way? Mm. And I think if you if you put the responsibility for it there, it forces you to ask those questions that I just asked, rather, mm. rather than letting HR just handle it and not necessarily being able to influence the broad spectrum of the business in that way. Mm. And do you have any kind of case studies or stories you can tell, maybe just one where a company had a challenge X in this area and they kind of did Y and then the result was, you know, something else to where it. So a recent client, they had a big initiative around anti-racism within their organization and they got there, the, we did a tr big training program for them, multiple sessions over the course of almost a year. And we started with, was able to convince them that we start with the executive leadership team and that they would have their own sessions and that they would have their own discussions because the things that they're thinking about are different than what the rest of the folks in the organization are thinking about. And what was interesting was that as we moved through, so we start with thinking about themselves and then we move towards thinking about how they interact with others. And by the end, we're talking about systems and how the systems within their organization are reinforcing racism or not. And, and we had, there, there were a couple of changes that they made in the session. We were in the training session and there was this conversation going, well, we could do this and we could do this. Oh, great. I'm going to do that now. I'm going to tell this person to just do it. And it's like, this is what happens when you start to look at the way the organization works from a different perspective and say, okay, equity is important. In this case, anti-racism is important. They're, they're linked. Mm -hmm. And we as the senior leadership team have the power to do this. We're going to change the policy. Like right now, it was something related to hiring. We're going to change the policy right now. We're going to do it in the training session. So I, I think that, um, so that, that's a, a good example mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of one, when you bring that perspective to the executive team and two, the fact that, again, you can be responsible for these things and the outcomes and the future progress without feeling bad about the way that things are right now. Mm. And they, they took that responsibility in that moment, which was amazing. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's a good example. Um, I'm curious, um, lost my track of thought. Um, one second's coming back to me. Um, oh my goodness. Anyway, I'll come back to that question. There was another question that I was thinking about as you were speaking and then it went away. Anyway, um, so it will come back. I, I remembered it. So um there's been, a, I mean, you know, th there's a lot of talk about how, in particular, like when if we talk about racism, right, that sometimes the country is even going backwards. So in, in your experience in this field, you know, working in corporations, how do you see it? You know, are, are we getting better at it? Are we, are we getting, you know, like truly better at it? Are we getting worse? Um, you know, it just seems like there's so many different things that are happening. And, and so, you know, you're kind of bound to question, like, are we, is it improving? Uh, and what do you see, you know, if it is going to, whichever way it's going, what do you see the next few years panning out to be like in this space? 
Oh my gosh. Only the biggest question ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it really depends on you. You can't, I don't think you can make a broad brush stroke. It's going better or it's not going better. I think it really depends on what specifically are you looking at? So I work with corporations and there are ways in which I think corporations are making progress. Corporations and nonprofits are making progress. The fact that they're talking about it more is different. Mm -hmm. um, at least the, the folks that I work with is, is different. The fact that I'm now seeing clients say, we don't want to just do a one-time check the box, something we want to have a sustained effort. That is different. Are the outcomes where they need to be yet? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think if we look at whether it's racism or sexism or homophobia, are the outcomes within an organization in terms of who is getting promoted, what the salaries are, where the, the power lies in terms of decision-making mm -hmm. and who has influence in those decisions. I don't see those things changing as much, but I do see that there is more discussion of it. So mm -hmm. I feel like there is promise in that direction. But if you look at, it, it, it really depends on what you look at because if you're talking about society changes, right? If you're talking about policing, for example, you, if you look at the data, you see that things have not improved. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it really depends on what are you looking at? What is the goal that you're thinking about in terms of whether, you know, if you look at, if you look at wealth inequality, that has not mm. improved. Mm. So, so I think it, it really depends on your vantage point and what you are considering as, as progress or not. Mm. And, and to that point, you don't have, you don't have to answer this one. It's, it's, I don't, I don't know if anybody has an answer, but what kind of, Sometimes I, I, I think about is the reason that the corporations are actually maybe doing something right is because they need to recruit talent. And if you're not a company who is seen as inclusive and diverse and equitable, da, 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 you're not you're going to lose out on talent. So the question comes to how much is it genuine versus forced? And does that play from a leadership perspective? So you, you have a leadership that is just doing it to check the box versus truly believes in the process. I wonder how much of a connection there is to that. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Like how much of it is force versus this is the right thing to do? It's hard to know. I will say, I think that, I, I think I agree with you that many organizations more than, than 10 years ago, let's say, understand and many leaders understand the business case for it now better than they used to so even if they don't agree with the the moral and ethical case like it is the right thing to do by people they now understand that having a more diverse team drives innovation that having more inclusive culture drives openness and transparency so all these things that are good for the bottom line i think that that i i think that that is not a question for a lot of leaders anymore. But <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, do, does it really matter, I guess is, is your question. Does it matter if they're doing it for the right reason or not? This might be controversial, but I feel like I would say no. Like if, let's again, take a, a concrete example, because I feel like that's easier for people to understand. Let's say you are within your organization, you find data that there is pay inequity across a certain 
band or maybe all bands of employees. And there is inequity when it comes to race and gender and maybe some other things, data that you collect. And you're gonna fix that. So you're gonna right size and make equitable those salaries. You're gonna have some leaders and managers who don't agree with that. At the end of the day, I, it's like, does it matter? What really matters is that the equity will be there and the folks who were not getting paid what they are worth are now getting paid what they are worth. Mm -hmm. And some people might not like that at first, but they probably won't say anything or they will say it only in certain company. And maybe at some point, if they really don't think that was a good idea, they will leave the organization. So it's sort of like, to, to me, you can't necessarily wait you can't, not necessarily, you can't wait for everybody's mind to change, to change systems. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to change the systems first and let people then see as a result, oh, things are better now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that might change their mind. Yeah, I agree. I, I tend to agree with that. Um, so if there's an individual who is, you know, really trying to become an advocate, uh, you know, for diversity and inclusion in their company or their community, what is, what are some advice or insights you have for them? If they feel, I don't know, maybe they're listening like, this is great, but how do I actually do it? How do I actually tell people that this is important and how do I practice it? I think, first of all, find out what is already happening within your organization. I feel like most organizations of a certain size at this point have something going on. So find out what that is, see how you can get involved, see how you can support. If you are a person, so everybody across the board has privilege in some ways and has been marginalized in other ways. And I would encourage you, if you're someone who wants to get more involved in this work, is to start by thinking about, reading about, asking other people about your own self and how you have privilege in different ways and how that impacts you and how, that, how not having that privilege might impact other people differently. So I think it, the work really starts with yourself, not that you should be sitting and thinking in a room by yourself forever, but before going out and trying to change policy or making initiatives, you really need to think about how you fit into the puzzle of society, where you may have gotten some advantages that you did not ask for, but that mm -hmm. you had, right? It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to, to think about it and do something about it. And, and where are the places where you haven't had as many advantages and how can you learn about that and then learn from other people who have different perspectives? I think that's the place to really start. Mm -hmm. And often organizations will have employee resource groups or things like that, where whether, even if you're not a member of that community, that the employee resource group would allow you for certain events and activities to come and be a listener, a bystander to learn about what that community values and is important within the organization. So I would en encourage folks to attend those types of things so that you can start to learn about what the world of diversity and inclusion is within mm. your organization and outside. Mm. That, that's, a, that's a good way forward. Um, before I ask my last question, tell us a little bit more about where do you hang out on social media? If people want to get in touch with you, uh, where is the best way to get in touch? Definitely LinkedIn. I hang out hang out on LinkedIn often. <laughs> it is my favorite coffee shop. 
So you can find me, Lillian Forsyth. I do you link my name? I will. I will. I will. I will, I will okay, link so I don't it have to drop it in spell chat out for people. No. Perfect. And you can also check out the, the company's website, which is leadwithequity.com. Lead with equity is all one word. Sounds good. And my last question is. What is one question you wish people would ask themselves more often? I will keep with the theme that we have been thinking about, which is around inclusion and equity. I, I would encourage people to think, start in the workplace as you're making decisions, as you're seeing things happen. How is this decision, action, reinforcing or challenging inequity? And you might not know the answer and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But I think to, to consistently ask yourself that question is going to help to hone your lens for being able to see these things. Yeah, that, that's a good one. If anything, just as a reminder, because otherwise we just get so caught up and then we forget like, what is we actually doing all of this for? And we lose track mm -hmm. of the vision for, for the, or the objective essentially. So that's a good one. All right. Well, Lillian, thank you so much for your time and uh, look forward to chatting with you again sometime. Thank you so much, Elena. I appreciate it.